We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 43 months into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside the fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Lord Marty Foster. How are you? Uh, more on the psychotic side today. Uh, I can't find a single thing that I can grasp onto that would cheer me up, news-wise anyway, uh, current affairs-wise. Obviously, my day-to-day uh, -day life is, is happy, rosy, and all going well, but it's just everything outside of that that is grinding me uh into a paste at the moment how about you how are you oh i'm doing as about as well as you can be i suppose it is what it is you still got a lot of time left in the day so we'll see how it goes anyway you have a lot to um uh, to divulge today and we're going to get to that here in just a second but before we get started today, I'd like to remind everybody that we did take a big risk when we started all of this. We're not backed by fake corporate dollars that push fake agendas that make everyone hate each other. So if you're interested in supporting the work that we do, we do offer additional features with our now active subscription service. Benefits include access to our instant messaging platform for direct communication to us, along with early access to upcoming and sometimes unpublished podcasts, as well as exclusive access to our behind the scenes uncensored prep sessions where we talk about things that sometimes don't make it to the final product, which you're hearing now. So if you want to take part in this fight with us, if you want to support a team that's willing to do the real research, not give you fake nonsense for talking talking points. If you want to say screw you to the mainstream media like CNN, Fox News, BBC, Sky News, and MSNBC, then the link is in the program description down below where you can come on board with us and take advantage of these benefits they're offering to you. And by doing so, you will support our work and the research that goes along with that work. And together we can take the fight to the doorsteps of these frauds that are on the television, in the newspapers, and the talking heads on the international stage. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, together we can take action to subscription start at just $5 per month. Now are you still unsure of what you're getting? We now offer a 30-day free trial, which includes unlimited access to all features and content. Again, the link is in the program description down below. So you have a list of grievances. Shall we start at the top? You say I've got a list of grievances. Uh, what, what I've got is... Just a, a, a general conglomeration of concern, really. This forthcoming uh, million-person march in London, they haven't banned it and of a mind that they shouldn't ban it. But at the same time, um, I don't want it getting anywhere near the uh, November the 11th armistice parade uh, at the Cenotaph. I've got all kinds of rumours and, and hints that the football, inverted commas, crews are going to turn up to make sure that the pro-Palestinian 
demonstrators don't get anywhere near the cenotaph. And the organisers of the Palestinian, pro-Palestinian um, march, yes, they know that it's provocative to hold a march on November the 11th, and it's done entirely deliberately. But they have said that it's going to start after the two-minute silence, which is effectively end, the end of the armistice parade, and it's going nowhere near the cenotaph. But what we've got is a government that has stepped back from banning the march on this particular day. You've got a mayor of London who is pro-Palestinian, who is allowing the march to happen. You've got the uh, Metropolitan Police Force who are essentially saying the law is this, and as long as the protest remains peaceful, they have every right to do it. And as I said at the start of this, I agree, we don't want anyone ever to ban protests because protests are the only way people have of letting their governments know things are wrong. So I, I'm, I'm just very concerned that it's it's building up into an absolute cauldron of problems after which the government would be justified in saying all future protests have to meet a new set of criteria and can be blocked by law. And I think that is the move that them that they've always wanted. So this, I, I don't trust the stance from the government at the moment. I don't trust the stance from the, um, the Met Police. I don't trust our own useful idiots um, who think that they're doing some kind of national um, service to us by being there ready for violence with the protesters. And I certainly don't appreciate a bunch of people in the UK idolising and celebrating a terrorist organisation like Hamas. So, yeah, that's where I am with that. Like I say, it's a whole conglomerate of things in which it's very difficult to come down on on one side or the other exactly. One of the uh, people you're talking about that's going to be down there leading one of these uh, these protests is Tommy Robinson, yeah? We've talked about him many times before, uh, and he's uh, quite a controversial character. Yeah, and he's labelled as, as far right. And indeed, it may well be that that is his ideology. But on the clip that you've got in front of us at the moment, mm -hmm. um, the two gentlemen on the right-hand side of the screen are both... Uh, newsmen. They're both editors of, of newspapers. One is, is a right-wing newspaper and the other one is a left-wing newspaper. And they've now got jobs on, or at least one of them has now got jobs on GB News. And he referred to ex-servicemen as far right, and yet he's the one from a right-wing newspaper. Yeah. Um, we're getting lots of of bad media messages, um, confusing propaganda, uh, even from a station like GB News referring to ex-servicemen who have avowed to prevent any disrespect to the Cenotaph and the other monuments on the parade referred to as far right. So, yeah, sorry, I'm waffling on, but like, like I say... No, it's okay, it's, waffle away. I love waffles. It, it, yeah, I like waffles too, particularly in Belgium. It's about the only thing about Belgium I do like. Um, oh, oh, and their the and their fries and their fries. Yes, their pommes are very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, please carry on. 
This is the clip from uh, Good Morning Britain talking about these protests. And they're they're mentioning uh, uh, Mr. Robinson along with this and how he's going to be leading one of those uh, those protests. And your paper, Andrew, says it's quite a provocative yeah. headline. Pray they don't end up with a riot at the center staff. The, the, the march and the rally is not going anywhere near the center Why, the, why the would well, that's the Why plan. would there be a riot? Because we've already heard that people like Tommy Robinson, who is from a, a far-right organization, gotten what it's called, in Britain first or something? No, no, well, I think he just does himself, doesn't he, Stephen? He's talking uh, about going into London with his supporters Lennon, um, to protect the cenotaph. Mm. It sounds like that, that might be a reason for the for the Met commander to ban that particular yeah, demonstration because yeah. they're so clearly that's motivated the, the, by a violence. My, it's my nothing to always, do with the march. Yeah, but my no, worry's always been that it will attract all sorts no, 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 of no. headbangers it, it, into central So-called Tommy Robinson, the football hooligan, serial uh, offender, yeah. a lot of time spent at Her Majesty's uh, pleasure, sure. is a far-right provocateur. Yeah. He will be nothing to do with that march. Yeah. If he goes anywhere near the march, or he goes to the cenotaph, it is to cause yeah. violent yeah. disorder. Well, that, extremists but, um, are on all sides. Said they're starting at um, Regent's Park. Yes. And then they are going... Or Hyde Park. Hyde Park. Hyde Park. Hyde Park. And then they're going down to Battersea. Yeah. No and they're way. going in the opposite direction yeah. from the cenotaph. Yeah. It goes no nowhere way. near Westminster. Yeah. I just still wish that the organisers said, OK, you know what, we're not going to do it this weekend. We'll just, we'll just hold back. I think that's what and we'll do it the weekend like. after. So anyway, there you go. Yeah, well, that that just sums up everything I've just said. Obviously, I've seen it on other news stations as well. Now, Tommy Robinson, in this particular case, is being much maligned by those two bought and paid for media propagandists. That's all they are. They're all they're always put on the same show together because they're supposed to have completely different viewpoints. Now, the fact that they're both slagging off Tommy Robinson tells me that. The media has combined to bring about his discrediting and his downfall. I don't think he, he's got it all right. But at the end of the day, he has experienced it. He grew up in Luton. Luton has these massive Muslim parades with Pakistani men flagellating themselves and beating their chests and calling for the uh, British police to be burnt in hell and and so on. He's seen this. He's grown up in that environment. We're all a product of our environment, the people we've met along the way. Uh, and this is part of the point that I wanted to make about stuff that Melissa said in her last podcast about this UN bill that is supposed to be against neo-Nazism, which on the face of it sounds great. But in actual fact, what it's really about is reducing your right to dislike something, reducing your your rights to uh, look at your own country from a nationalistic point of view, um, because the UN is a globalist organisation and whoever is at the heart of running it doesn't want sovereign nations to stand up for themselves and, and so on. So, yeah, this... This particular march, there is going to be trouble. You can, I can feel it. It, it, it's not going to go well. And it's on Saturday, is that right? No, it's on Sunday. On Sunday, yeah. The, uh, the actual, well, uh, Remembrance Sunday is the the twelfth because of the way it falls. But the actual Armistice Day is November the eleventh, which is Saturday. So I'm, I'm not entirely. Do you know what? I'm not entirely sure because I've got other things going on that weekend. 
Well, but, either way, it's it's going to happen one way or the other. So I guess it doesn't really matter on which particular day, does it? No, not at all. Um, but when it does happen, I'm I'm going to feel guilty for not being there in one way or another. But I do have other things happening that weekend. Uh, and maybe it's a good thing for me personally that I won't be there because I wouldn't be able to control myself if that pro-Palestinian protest encroaches anywhere near the Armistice Day um, Remembrance Parade. You know, we're we're celebrating an Armistice Day, and we're we're really hate to kind of be a doom and gloom person here for a, a little bit, but I think I'm going to. You know, I don't say this with any pleasure, but we are literally right there on the cusp of uh, of World War Three. Uh, we're we're close. We're really close, at least from what I'm being told behind the scenes. I'm not going to get into specifics, but I did tell you about what I was told the other night. Yeah, you um, did. Yeah. So we are, and I haven't I haven't mentioned that yet, but um, we're we're pretty close now. One thing that is public, but it wasn't really talked about much, uh, was the rescindance of the SALT Treaty. You were active duty when that was signed, and. Yeah. I have been, and Bruce, we have been in detail over the last three months. We've been studying the the stipulations of that treaty when it was signed. It never should have been signed in the first place, if you want my honest opinion about it. But nonetheless, it was, and steps were taken. And you had a pretty strong opinion about it uh, when I when I spoke to you about it, and I agreed with your opinion, your your standpoint, when you said that the wrong decisions were made. I wholeheartedly agree that if we hadn't taken those decisions, we wouldn't be in this jackpot now, would we? No, we we wouldn't. But just like, uh, again, it's the the last thing I listened to before speaking to you today. In your conversation with Melissa, you were talking about Zelensky saying no elections right now. Um, it's not the right right time. And that was all about giving the semblance of democracy. And what SALT did was give the semblance of strategic arms limitation. Everyone has continued to push their efforts into better, faster, more effective ways of of killing each other ever since. Ever since the strategic arms limitations uh, treaty was signed, people have within the um, you know the defense companies, within those mil- military hardware and technology companies just found more efficient ways to find out where the enemy is and drop more effective bombs, missiles, rounds, gases, biological agents, nerve agents, everything. It, it, it never really stopped. So one of the dangers of having a, a bucket load of weapons is eventually you're going to want to use one. And that is what, what happens. Well, if, we don't build we had... them just to shine them up and leave them on a, on a display case, do we? No, we don't. No, but... Uh, you know, governments are supposed to be there to be the sensible or, or take the sensible options. But you look at the governments around the world at the moment, they are not there to take the sensible option because if they were, they would have questioned the COVID bullshit. They would have questioned and done something about, you know, rising energy prices. They would have uh, questioned and done something about food food production and food supply chains. Governments in the last 50 years have done sweet Fanny Adams to actually make the world a better place. I can't think of one government that's done anything to make the world a better place. That's left wing, right wing, centre, you know, none of them. And why? Because we've got this 
situation where we've got basically sleepers have woken up and moved into our positions of power, whether that's by indoctrination, bribery and corruption or by blackmail. We don't have any real leaders who are working for our countries at the moment. So, and, and again, you and Melissa covered it. it. You have to look with inside yourself for the solution. And whether that's from a metaphysical perspective, as in the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven is within yourself, or whether it's the solution to your country's problems are within yourself, that's where people need to start looking. But people are so busy either just trying to get through life and and not be troubled by any of it, or are too stupid to even realize just how dire the situation is, which means Yes, we are on the precipice of possibly World War Three, and I would imagine that's part of the malaise that um, prevents me from, when asked the question, how are you doing, just saying, fine, thanks. I, I never just say, fine, thanks, you know? I do, be, but it's because, just to move the conversation along, you know? Yeah, well, sometimes I'd rather start another conversation. It depends on who's on who is asking me how I am. And uh, as you and I have talked on on this stuff for a long time, I'm I'm never just going to say, "Oh, I'm good, thanks." Crack on, you know. No, uh, sometimes I I say that, but not very often, is it? Now, no, it's not very often. Yeah, it's, it's not very often. I think what what you said there, you said that you know people are are pretty pretty stupid, you know, is to not pay attention to what's going on. You know, that goes all the way up to the top, and I I just. I looked at the events that happened with COVID and I, I remember I was saying, and I was screaming about it on uh, on recording at the time. I said, is there an adult in charge that we can speak to somewhere? Like I just yeah, wanted to, to walk into some government office building somewhere and just stop. And whenever the first bureaucrat would look at me and say, is there something I can help you with? If they would ever get around to that, I would say, yeah, is there an adult in charge that I can speak to somewhere? Because They've they got, just, yeah. they behave like stupid children. They've got a very, oh, I mean, bureaucrats, Civil servants here in the UK. They've well, got I mean that all the very, way up to the top. All yeah, the way up yeah, to the top. Yeah, yeah, but they've, they've got a very overinflated idea of what their position entitles them to. They, I mean, they're the real entitled ones. Uh, they think that they can't be questioned. They think that, oh, I'm in a top government job. I, I, I can't be, uh, I can't be spoken to like this or, or asked those kind of questions. That's where the problem uh, starts because it, if they were a little bit more humble, a little more approachable, and a little more open to listening to what the people who've put them in that position want, then they 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 might do something worthwhile. But at the moment, no. I mean, it really is a case of you'd have to walk up to the president of the US, the prime minister of the UK, Canada, the French, the Germans, uh, any of these heads of political heads of state and say, excuse me, can I please speak to your manager? That's what we need to do because they're not running it. They're pretending that they're running it, but they're being told what to do by somebody else. 
Yes. And, you know, I, I thought we could segue to this, you know, you're being told what to do by somebody else. I mentioned this yesterday and I thought I'd, I'd uh, run this one past you. I, I did run this past you in prep. Uh, and that's a, a bill that's been proposed in our United States Senate to limit classified briefings to select members of the Senate Intelligence Committee and no one else. That's not a good thing to do. I don't care if it's in any, if it's in my country or yours, is it? That's very dangerous, especially when you've got these compromised staffers and, and uh, aides that have taken these all expenses paid trips to China. Yeah. No, it sounds barking mad, quite frankly, that 18 people in the US, not including the president and not including the Joint Chiefs of Staff, would not be getting the, these full briefs. So that that's that's a definite bypass, isn't it? That's a that's, that's a, obvious. A, like that that is yeah. that is plainly obvious. Again, you just cutting through the matrix. What a great title for uh, a series of of looks at the world, and that's what we're doing. We do it all the time. We are being presented with an image that they want us to see, but underneath that image is the truth. And in this particular case. Just like I said earlier on, the UN's idea about stamping out neo-Nazi groups, it's actually stamping out any kind of sovereign identity for different countries. That particular bill, trying to get through your, your government's houses at the moment, is a bypass of intelligence, uh, and it bypasses it away from those who need to act on it. So it's it's completely ridiculous. And whoever's put it forward, whoever's name is at the top of the list of authors, should be immediately taken and tried for treason because yes. it's a it's an it's an attempt at treason. You know, we've just that had November the fifth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've just had November the fifth here in the UK. The the gunpowder treason and plot of of Guy Fawkes and the other dissident Catholics that tried to blow up Parliament. Uh, on its opening with the king inside. And we celebrate that every year with fireworks because there were other conspirators that were tried and, and prosecuted and executed. But the, the main one seems to be this guy who was called Guy Fawkes. Uh, and he was uh, hung, drawn, quartered and burned. And I can't think of a better punishment for someone who's ready to commit treason, the act of betraying your country. Yeah, so so that act is, well, hopefully it won't get passed. But if it does, that's it. You're completely screwed. Yeah, I honestly, I, I don't see how it could pass. But, you know, who am I? It, stranger things have happened, right? We are in the uh, the world now of the, uh, the firsts in the United States. We've had a new... Uh, we've uh, first time we've had a, a speaker of the house removed. First time we've had a, a person that wasn't elected actually elected. So I mean we're we're on the you know the verge of just firsts. But hey, you know who am I? This right, uh, not straying too far. This is what took place last night according to uh, one of Rupert Murdoch's uh, outfits. Oh, Jennifer, this sounds like huge news. Sean, we can report, um, based on senior military sources, that U.S. warplanes have carried out airstrikes tonight inside Syria against Iranian proxy forces. We don't know the number of strikes. Uh, we were told earlier today that to expect that perhaps uh, F-15s and F-16s would be involved in the airstrikes, but we don't have confirmation yet how, about how many warplanes. But those strikes have been carried out, I'm told. Uh, it is in response to 
the more than dozen strikes against U.S. bases. Uh, the message is a clear message designed uh, to Iran and its proxy forces to stop carrying out these uh, drone and rocket attacks against U.S. bases. Um, but I'm told that the planes have safely left the area and that the airstrikes uh, are complete at this time. Um, they were uh, targeting multiple locations inside Syria and Iran Iranian proxy forces, Sean. We also had confirmation last night that the um, the Houthi rebels operating out of Yemen shot down one of our MQ-9 Reaper drones. Okay, so airstrikes. If U.S. bases come under attack, the U.S. should respond. Uh, and that is indeed what it sounds like they've, they've done. But it always makes me giggle a bit. Someone on, on the news, which is for the consumption of your average Joe out or, or Josephine, is they give this detail about the you know the the, the type of aircraft F fifteen F sixteens so on and so so forth. Most people don't understand what that means, and I think it's just added into the piece to camera by the news anchor just to make it sound more convincing uh, and sound more important and scarier. You know, I mean, uh, well, of course those those aircraft are going to be used. Um, you know, they they're not going to fly a load of Cessnas in to depending on how small the response is going to be. If Iran and its proxies are moving and operating from Syria and attacking US places, we have to expect retaliation. I, I don't know where else you want me to go with that, to tell you the truth. Well, it just shows clear escalation, doesn't it? On both sides. Yeah. There's no there's no talk of any kind of drawdown. It's just a, it's a tit for tat thing at the moment. All anyone wants and by that, I mean anyone who's not a corrupt government official, a CEO of either a major industrial corporation or a military corporation wants is for things to get some level of normality. And, and we're just not being permitted that at the moment, are we? They are not permitting us to uh, take that breath and, and relax for a bit, let just normal life get back onto it it's it's steady track we've got this constant background of potential calamity uh in in our ears from from our news stations and even we're doing it uh because we can't not do it because this is what's happening and we have to talk about what's happening um at least with us we try to uh dig a bit deeper and go beyond the superficial reasons or lies given to us by our governments, our enemies' governments, and the organizations that are working against us, like Hamas, Hezbollah, you know, these kind of organizations. I suppose we should segue at this point, shouldn't we? We should segue over to, I, I'm sorry, uh, but it is it is quite a news story. We should segue over to uh, some of your uh, royals, or should I say former royals. Uh, Prince Harry took a, uh, a private jet to a, uh, a concert over the weekend. And of course, he's been a, a champion of this uh, eco-activism like his father. And so people are calling him a hypocrite because he took a private jet to a to a concert. Well, he is a hypocrite. There's there's no doubt about it. He is a hypocrite. But he's he, he's not going to go on his bicycle, is he? No, he's not. He's not going to be able to uh travel using public transport without risk of someone having a go, someone grabbing their 15 minutes of fame. So, yeah, they're going to use private jets. There there's there's so many a few thousand people in the world who have to travel separately because their wealth, 
their status or former status has put them at that level of fame or notoriety. So, you know, was it a good concert? Who did you go and see? Does it say? Uh, the, the Sun Papers, which you said were read by people that um, have a... Did you say it was designed for like five-year-olds or something? No. Uh, what it is, the reading age that the Sun is set for is that of a six-year-old child. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Well, most U.S. papers are about the same, so it's not much different. Um, yeah. They uh, they went to a Katy Perry concert. I, I've i heard the name. I don't know what she does or who what she sings or, yeah. or whatever. Uh, Katy Perry, yeah. She was involved, of course, with um, Russell Brand. She was married to Russell Brand. Okay. Uh, at one I point. didn't know. Um, and she is a fantastic singer, very dynamic, very attractive, has some great hits. But again, you know, who actually gives a shit whether a ginger-haired, possibly stepchild of King Charles has gone to a concert? It's not news. Uh, and it, it's it's just one more little piece of uh, divisive stuff to to get all of the eco warriors wound up because that's what it serves, you know. Oh, he's used a private jet. Well, yeah, he probably has, but all the you know slow traffic that you've caused with your just stop oil gluing yourself to a roadway um, protests has caused more of a an output of of harmful uh stuff into the atmosphere than his one little jet has so i i, I don't really care is is my honest answer speaking of the uh, the eco activism uh there was a there's a report today that a u.s citizen in panama who was a 77 year old uh, retired u.s lawyer he had apparently a conviction for an illegal possession of a firearm and he was kind of um well you see they he was on a road where they had one of these protests you know these these eco warrior protests you know how they go out and they stop traffic and yeah well he pulled out a gun and he shot one of them dead right there on the uh, uh on the the roadway and it says that yep this ends here and then pull the trigger uh, I have video of it here uh, if you'd like to see it but he grabs a hold of the uh, uh the stuff there and then bang he's yeah that's it that was all that was all she wrote so to speak and then he shot another one well he's gonna he should be fried quite frankly he should again this is in Panama this is not in in the US or I, the UK. I don't care I don't care where it is a peaceful, unarmed protester should not ever be shot. Despite the fact that I totally disagree with their, you know, their their protest, the whole, the whole ideology, I I disagree with. But you know, it's a retired U.S. lawyer. I think this man thinks he's got some high level of protection within Maybe. Panama, perhaps. Possibly. You know. Well, you know how things it, are down there. Well, it, in any country where the government has such tight control you do get people who consider themselves to be above the law and maybe this guy knows things or knows people that will make this go away for him the fact that he's been recorded doing it uh, and who knows this is this is just another thing to get rid of uh, of guns even in the US it's it's really good quality video he might have pancreatic cancer for all, all we know, and Maybe. he's been paid to do this killing. Yeah. He's been paid to be there and make it happen because it's it's one more thing to remove gun ownership from from private citizens' hands. And yes, he's in Panama because the chances are, if they tried to stage it in the states, the gentleman with the gun there would have probably been shot by someone with a concealed carry before he got to shoot. Yeah. 
the yeah. protester. Mm -hmm. You know, you do it in Panama, you can get away with it. When you're going to stage your your pieces for news that are, are going to shape the way we all think, do it in a country where you can guarantee the outcome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's horrible. But it, if he genuinely did that off his own back, he's mentally ill, so chances are that he can't receive the death penalty for what he's done because he's mentally ill. And uh, I think even in Panama, if you're a loony, you don't get to dangle off the end of a rope or a, or, or face a firing squad. I'm not I'm not entirely sure how their obviously their their justice system is going to be a little different, but I don't I don't understand what their uh, punishment process is like as far as you know death penalty or whatever. I'm sure they have it, of course, but uh, I I don't I don't know exactly what this guy's fate will be. But uh, I do agree that no, this is not how it should be handled. Uh, under no circumstances should it be handled. We even agreed that the uh, the Las Vegas uh, or the uh, the Nevada Ranger who drove through the uh, eco protesters for Burning Man and drew down on them and you know took took them down to the ground and almost shot them and threatened to shoot them if they didn't get down on the ground. Uh, we even agreed that that was over the line, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, uh, and indeed it is. Now, it's associated, but it's not the same, exactly the same. Um, there's video going round of a 15-year-old Palestinian boy being shot dead by the IDF. And, the, you know, oh, the, the family, um, they're, they're so sad, they will never see their son again. That boy was throwing rocks at soldiers with his friends. Now, those soldiers don't know whether or not what's in that individual's hand, given that it was dusk, you know, early evening, not good light, could have been a grenade, could have been anything. And I think that's that's a lesson for us all because it's gonna cut there's gonna come a time when a lot of us are going to be facing it. If you've got a load of heavily armed law enforcement or armed forces patrolling your streets, don't give them any excuse. Don't give them the slightest reason to pull the trigger on you because it's it's going to happen. Here in the UK, we've had this, this swap out of older police officers that understood that they police by consent and their first duty is to the general public to maintain law and order. But in the last 10 years or so, a lot of those officers have disappeared and they've been replaced by these indoctrinated, uh, gung-ho to a certain level, and woke as well, if if the two things could ever go in hand. You've got, you know, police officers that are inexperienced and ready to do whatever they're told to do by their chain of command, and that chain of command is being told what to do by the government. And I do not trust our government at all at the moment. So... As and when it happens, I pray that it doesn't, but I've got a feeling it's going to happen. When you're on the street in your peaceful protest and you're faced with a situation where people are pointing guns at you, that's the time to, and you haven't got a gun, that's the time to do what you're told and make a sharp exit. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a law enforcement officer in, in the U.S. Uh, around the world, it's a different story, but uh, in the U.S. And it's been uh, a similar type of situation that you're describing. I've talked to several of them that have had to do that. They've never pulled the trigger. They've never had to shoot somebody in that respect. You know, obviously, if it's a, somebody with a gun, you can clearly see it's a different story. But there have been cases where they've responded to a call. It's been in the middle of the night and the person will have 
you know, a smartphone in their hand. And you know how it is. Everybody's got one of these things in their hand and they'll just pull it up really quickly. If you're in a secluded area and it's dark, what do you think that, that officer is going to think? Well, even if they don't think it's a gun, yeah, th- it's still a possibility the way society has become so sick as to have people strapped with explosives operated by a mobile phone switch. Just press call and the responding transceiver attached to the suicide belt goes boom. So yeah, you've just got to be more cautious these days because everybody's ready. That We're so divided now that everybody's ready to drop the hammer on some part of society or the other. Do you have any final points? We're actually going to end a little bit early today. Do you have any final points you'd like to make before I get to your surprise? Uh, just, yeah, just, just one thing. Part of your conversation with Melissa was about this UN bill, and it's based on prejudice and hate speech and hate in general. It is not illegal to hate something. If something is irritating you, you're entitled to hate it. The problem comes when you act outside of the law on that hate. And hate's an emotion. It's a driving force. There's more powerful driving forces than hate. You know, there's love, for instance. But one of the ones that gets people to move faster is hate. And I think this bill shouldn't be or should be opposed by the US and the UK within the UN because it's it's designed to make you feel guilty for wanting the best for your country from a nationalistic perspective. Yes, to make you feel guilty for that rather than let whatever agenda they are running run its course. I do have more to say on that, but we'll do that another time. Now, what's my surprise? I'm very, very Your excited. Your surprise. I, I agree with, by the way, I, I do agree. It is about making you hate your country. Because if you hate your country, if you're demoralized, then you will stand up and demand something new, won't you? And they'll just be so happy to offer it to you when that time comes, yeah. won't they? Yeah, that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Problem, reaction, solution. They create the problem. You react to it. Same people that gave you that problem just happen to have that solution for you. I was going to say that, but I'd forgotten the scene. <laughs> Galian dialectic, yeah. So yeah. this, uh, Marty, you've been to the uh, the National uh, Gallery there in London. Yeah, you, you've been there. You've gone inside. Oh, all yeah, the yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. I don't know what's coming. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Your your favorite people took to that place on, uh, on last Saturday. Uh, just Stop Oil were there to make a statement. Ladies and gentlemen, please. 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 Ladies and gentlem
This room is closed. Head to exit, You need please. to leave the room, please, this sir. This room is closed. You need to leave the room, please, sir. <laughs> the only way that nerd is ever going to get such an attractive young lady to hold his hand is if he joins in with her ridiculous ideology and vandalizes uh, a grandmaster in the National Gallery. Those hammers um, that they were using are actually designed, yeah, yeah, they're, they're designed for breaking glass. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if those two were not stolen um, or reappropriated from the London Underground or British Rail, um, where they're present to break windows. Um, obviously, there's normally a la- an alarm on on those hammers, but there are some on some trains where they could just take them off and um, use them without being or steal them without being detected. Yeah, what a pointless and pathetic uh, demonstration by Just Stop Oil. No, women didn't get the vote by voting. They got the vote through the suffrage movement, which was not all peaceful protest. There were bombs, there were suicides, hunger strikes, but women have the vote as they as they should do. Do you know, initially, the 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 vote in the UK when we really started democracy, you had to be a landowner to cast your vote. And in one particular election, a woman who was a landowner cast her vote. And it was only after she'd voted legally that the franchise was taken away from women because they changed the rules. It's what they do. They change the rules to make sure they can keep winning the game. Just like I described in in the in the round table that we had the other day with um the the individual who had no sense of fair play, um, no morals, no scruples just change the rules so that they could win any outcome. And those are the kind of people we've got in charge of us. And these Just Stop Oil Muppets are useful idiots being used to further that agenda. Without their knowledge, those two have no idea, really, about what's going on at all. And and now I do hope they get fined uh, for the repairs to that uh, pitch frame, which will run into £20,000, so 10 grand each. That would be uh, sufficient for them to have to pay. I, I understand that we are not allowed to, uh, you know, as a matter of public policy, I understand we're not allowed to profile. But if you see two people walking in, if I'm one of those suited security officers and I see those two walking in, you know damn well. And they've they've got guards at the door. Oh, but did place. you notice who the security guards are? I did. Did you notice, notice I, their yeah, ethnicity? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, I London that. security guards are pretty much all Middle Eastern Muslims. That's a simple fact. And they're probably only just paid enough to turn up and put the suit on every day, not actually do anything about it. And there's another strong possibility that they were told it was going to happen. That's true. So don't do anything until after they've captured all the film they needed Mm -hmm. for that piece. And they said, clear the room. Anybody that's in that position, uh, you're dragging their sorry asses out the back door. Well, no, actually, clear the room is the right uh, process in well, that yes. particular situation. Yes, because but- what they what they don't want to do is be caught on camera forcibly removing them, because then right. they'll be up against you know uh, claims of brutality and excessive force, 
And the other thing is, once there isn't an audience in that room, the protest is over. Mm-hmm. So in that particular case, that was probably the right call to make. But they could have acted faster and stopped it from happening. I've been in those those galleries. There's someone in each corner, and they should be watching the room. Now, I, and there's, I, there's video in every room in, in these yeah. big art galleries like this. Yeah, and each of those security guards is on a link with an earpiece, and whoever's in the control room will go, hang on, stand by, just stop oil loonies, stop them now. And that would have prevented the... Um, he's laughing. That would have prevented that vandalism from happening. But... I am that's that's what needed to happen. It's not happening because we have been totally undermined. More than that, even me as a concerned citizen, I would have jumped in there and stopped that. But you know, again, who am I? You know, I'm I'm just I'm just a a lonely civilian, right? Yeah, and and unfortunately, I'd have paid you fine if I could afford it. But you would have been the one that was prosecuted. Yes, I would have been arrested. You're absolutely right. That's the topsy turvy thing. You know, I was talking to Bruce about this last night, and you know, we, maybe we can kind of round our, our conversation off on this. We're rewarding stupidity. You mentioned earlier about the, these people within our governments. They're just stupid people. They are stupid. I had somebody round for dinner on Saturday night, right? And this person is a very high up person within the world financial institutions. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to go any further than that. And we had a very long discussion and they were telling me about their direct person that they report to. Okay. So their, their manager, their boss, whoever, you know, however you want to put it, they were explaining to me this person, you know, not saying anything against them, but they were just explaining to me how this person conducts business and how they, they treat their subordinates. And I just looked at this person and I said, I would have that person fired today, but I would not fire them immediately. What I would do is I'm going to ask you who their boss is. And then that person told me that their boss is the global person. So they pick people for all over the world to do this within this major financial institution. And I said, I would have that person fired first for being stupid enough to put someone that incompetent in that position to begin with. We have a very serious problem, not just within our governments, but within our corporations and within finance capital. We have a very serious problem. Yeah. I mean, and just to round off, let's say we had someone of above average intelligence, someone who's been educated, not indoctrinated, has a uh, a clear vision of uh, an idea about how things work and how askew government and control of businesses and management has gone. Would they want to enter into that world? Would they actually want to be uh, a government official make their way up to CEO knowing that actually everything that they could do, they would be prevented from doing because of how bent the system is. I would say no. So all we're, all you're left with is the compliant, all too willing idiots to go into those positions. You're absolutely right, my friend. That's kind of what we alluded to without actually alluding to it at the end of that conversation uh, that we were having. And we just we both agreed that there are people that are in all these positions. And here's the thing. We think through the way that we are in society, we think that this type of person with that character is successful. That's not successful. That's not successful at all. But we reward it as such. And so that's the perception that people have. That's a false reality. And as you said, I want no part of that. None. 
Yeah, and, and until such time as um, we can tear down the curtain uh, and see the, the guy operating the machine that's making the, the wizard look very powerful, we are not going to have anybody of any worth putting themselves forward for such a role. Um, you know, one, one of the other one of the other things, I'm, I'm sorry to interject, but just to make this clear, uh, Bruce and I were speaking last night offline. We were just kind of doing some wrap up. And he was telling me how he was listening to some of the uh, the bigger named uh, conservative and, and alternative media hosts in the U.S. and some of the bigger podcasters. These people that don't have a clue about what's going on, they were doing segments on how people like us shouldn't be allowed to speak on anything because they believe that we don't know what we're talking about. And the sad thing is, is and Bruce pointed this out, the sad thing is, if you look at what I've actually done in my life, and and I'll throw you in there. If you take the combined real world experience that both of us have, we've done more than those people will ever do. And you see what's um, given to them yeah. as a result of, of what they actually do and what they actually know. Yeah. Uh, and I'd listen to a lot of these. Uh, I, I get clips, you know, I'm, I'm being fed clips from these conservative alternative podcasters and, and media outlets. And you just have to get away from the partisan idea. That's the problem. It's the party. They have to have that identity because if they haven't, they don't know where they are. They don't have a compass. And the reason that we can, without wanting to blow smoke up our own asses, you know, overflatter ourselves, is that we are better grounded in what is the real world. We've got a better picture of it. We've got our feet firmly planted and we know what's around us so that's why we do know what we're talking about or at least talking from an experiential perspective uh, and as you say these individuals mostly from the world of media and entertainment haven't got a real picture of real life and real situations there I've, I've said my piece so thank you very much for today therapy complete i shall jump off the couch in a moment very good we will see you next week so we will go ahead and call this one done that'll do it for us for today and for this week my friend i'd like to thank you for being here today thank you to all of the listeners god bless everyone and have a great weekend we will see you on monday